Um, good morning from, from our online campus, no matter where you're worshiping from this morning, uh, whether it's a living room or a, or a dining room table or you're uh, just, uh, maybe you're still in bed, I don't know. But uh, we just want to welcome you to Connection Church Savannah. Um, we're so thankful for the technology that allows us to still meet together as a body, um, to worship together, to dig into God's word, to pray together, um, and to just be together um, across the, the, the internet, really. And so um, today what starts what we celebrate in the church is Holy Week. Um, uh, the, the week that basically leads up to Easter where we see Jesus being betrayed. Uh, he's been beaten. He's been crucified. And, he, and uh, in the end, he raises from the dead. And through the power of the Spirit of God, the one single event that changes everything about what we believe, about who we are, about why we meet. The resurrection is why we do what we do. The res- if the resurrection did not occur, then everything we do is a waste of our time. Because, because Jesus ro- rose from the dead, we were able to, to live in freedom, to worship in freedom, to live in victory, and to walk in the freedom that God's given us. And so we're able to celebrate that this week as we're leading up to Easter. And today is Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus marched into Jerusalem and the triumphal entry, entry and then just the, as, as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, where people were laying down palm branches and saying, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. And our heart today is that you would be able to join in with that. And so what we've done this week, we've created a reading plan for you. Um, it's on our, our website under the 412 reading plan under the media tab on our website. And it's, it looks like this. Um, it's Holy, Holy Week reading plan that has um, just a short devotional each day that you can do with your family or your roommate. Um, it has coloring pages for your kids. Um, there'll be things posted on the Connection Kids website, our Facebook page so that you can kind of um, follow along that way. So it, it, you'll be able to engage your family in that way. And so next week... Um, our heart is that you would invite someone to Easter. Next week, Easter is still happening. Easter is still the day that we celebrate our Lord's resurrection. Um, and also what we're going to do next week is we're going to celebrate a time of communion together as a family. And so this will be announced on Facebook and Instagram this week. But what will happen is you will lead your family in communion in your living room, whether it's uh, you by yourself or you with your family or with a roommate. Our heart is that as a church across the area, across our city, across our state, across our world, wherever you may be watching, is that you would join into communion with us next week as we celebrate Easter, remembering the death, burial, and most importantly, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so let's pray together. And then we're going to jump into our series, Faith Over Fear. So let's pray. Uh, Father God, we love you so much. We're so honored to be able to be called your children. Father, no matter where people are at today, Father, whether they're physically or emotionally, God, or, or spiritually, Father, I pray that you would reach into their living rooms, reach into wherever they're at, God, and just make yourself known. Make your presence known in their homes, in their cars. God, wherever they're watching from this morning, I pray that you would use your word to touch our hearts. God, that you would just bring us to our knees in surrender and submission. God, that you would just help us to see how much you love us, God, and what this day means of you coming and asserting yourselves into our lives as, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you coming in as king, and, not, and, and Lord, that is our heart, is that we would see you as king today. Lord, we love you so much, Father, and we just ask that you would just bless this time of reading of Scripture. And as we, as we prepare to, to hear the message, I pray that you would just uh, use this in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the past two, two weeks, we've, we've been going through a series called Faith Over Fear. Um, the, the idea behind this series is to engage people that are struggling, um, many for the first time with words like quarantine or, or sheltering in place or social distancing. And our, our first thought 
in life, I know mine is as a as a husband, a, a father, a, a man is has been stuff like that. You know, this this would never happen to us if you told us that we'd be streaming online within our second year of our church. I would tell you we were crazy. If I told you I'd be standing in our in our four year of our church preaching to a camera, I would tell you that you were crazy. This would never happen here. This has never happened to us, my family. This has never happened to our country. We're we're too far advanced for those types of things. But I I, I love um, a quote I heard one time from from Mike Tyson of all people. He said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? And so, but, but church, let me, let me tell you what, what, what I'm excited about. I'm excited about there, there have been few opportunities over this past century like we're faced with today to see the gospel pushed forward, to see the message of Christ pushed forward down the field. Many for the people for the first time are being faced with their mortality. They're having questions about their eternity. They're forced to ask themselves, you know, who is Jesus? They're, they're forced to ask themselves, you know, what, what do I believe? What does this mean for my security? And, and, and what I want you to hear this morning is the church is being positioned to, 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 to give the answer for those questions. And we're starting to see that even though, even us in the church, me, you, all around us, is even though we try our best to avoid that suffering or to avoid trials or, or to seek a life that's comfortable or, or to seek a life that, that has as, as the least amount of trials or struggles or hardships, those trials, those struggles, and those hardships will always find you. Right, church. The the communities that you live in, the people next door to you right now, and the people that you're around are struggling with fear and anxiety and questions and and worries. And there's inconveniences that are happening because they can't go to the places they're used to going to. They're not able to do the things they're used to doing. They're not used to being around the people that are, they're used to being around. They're asking questions about life and about death and what happens after that, and that are usually hidden deep down and aren't usually talked about. But the church has found itself in a very unique circumstance. Like if you know Jesus, you have the answer. If you know Jesus, you have the answer to the questions that people are going to ask. God is moving in this. And we have a responsibility as the church, as the people who have been awakened to the hope that's found in Jesus to give that hope away. It says in Luke chapter eight, Jesus says, no one who lights a lamp hides it, but places it on a lampstand for what? For all people to see. And so now more than ever, your life is meant to be a lamp that shines into the distance. It shines into your communities, into your homes, into the places that you're at. Another verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 through 10 says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone into our hearts to do what? To give light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Now we have, that's present, we have this treasure in clay jars. Why? So that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies. Why? So that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our bodies. Because of Jesus, we have an uncommon hope and peace in the midst of trial. Because of the gospel, we possess a living joy that surpasses all understanding and it doesn't make sense to the world. 
Because when the world is set on fire by pandemics and, and economic stress and the anxiety, is the, the anxiety is what the world naturally goes to because there's no hope outside of Christ. But as followers of Jesus, we have to be faithful at our post. We're no longer able to just come to church on Sundays and go home. Our natural routine is being thrown off. And I think God is trying to teach us a lesson because the church has left the building. We're to be pointing the way to people to see Jesus, pointing the way of hope to see Jesus, of the hope that we found in Christ. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. And what that means is as we mature in our love for God and for one another, this new identity is incompatible with fear and anxiety. And in the end, it will expel fear from our hearts. And then we are able to be the fearless church that God has called us to be from the beginning of time. That The world needs that now more than ever. At Connection Church, we believe that the church is God's plan A to reach the world. And we believe that the local church is the hope of the world. We believe that. Not a church staff, not a church elder board or a church leadership team, but you outside the walls of the church being Jesus to the world. A couple weeks ago, as organizations were closing, canceling events by the hour and everything seemed to be changing by the minute, it really hit me. Like we're walking in a brand new territory that's going to change everything about our lives long past this pandemic. None of us have ever lived through a pandemic. I don't think, um, not many of us, very few of us have ever lived in a quarantine or had to go into a shelter-in-place order before. But remember this, while our circumstances are new, our calling is not. While our circumstances are new, our calling to be gospel bearers to the world is not new. It's not canceled. The gospel is still the most important message in the entire world. And we are still called by God himself to urgently and and frequently to give it away to those people around us, whether that's on a phone, in person, on a Facebook message, whatever it may be, we have all types of means and mediums to get the message out because the hope found in the gospel is exactly what we need when the world around us is filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. Guys, time is short, but we have the answer. So today, as we jump into week three of our Faith Over Fear series, that's what I want to kind of start with, is I I want to keep pushing the question on you. What should the church's response be in crisis? What should the church's response be in times of uncertainty? When the world is going crazy and the, our schedules and our routines are interrupted by persecution or trials or losses, how do we respond? Today, I want to look at another section of Scripture um, of David's life. Um, David, we, we've been talking about David frequently over the last week or two. It was unintentional, but just God kept putting him on my heart. And, and I feel like we can relate to this section of Scripture right now probably more than ever. But if you've grown up in church like me, um, you know there was nothing boring about David's life, right? Like, um, I'm going to set the stage for you really quick. Uh, this is kind of David's life. Uh, from the start, David was more, he was, he, was, he was more or less a national hero. As a child or a, or a kid, he was a giant slayer. He killed Goliath with one stone right between Goliath's eyes. He, he delivered Israel. Women used to sing songs about him, about his incredible bravery and and how handsome he was. David was a guy that everybody in Israel loved and admired. When he was a young boy, God had already set him as the next king to follow Saul. 
as the king of Israel. And I'm sure David was just, must have been thinking this fame and this notoriety was all part of the plan. It was, it looked so perfect. But you know what? I think as I read in 1 Samuel, a few spears aimed at David's head by a jealous King Saul seemed to change all that, right? Saul's jealous rage caused him to become so obsessed with killing David that he went mad. In 1 Samuel 21, we see David even fleeing to one of his arch enemies for help. We see, we see David going to Goliath's hometown of Gath to the capital of the Philistines. And we see how desperate David was as he was running away for Saul from Saul because Saul was trying to kill him. Saul was trying to, Saul was trying to end his life. Saul was trying to destroy who he was. And, and after asking to see the king of the Philistines, David realized this is not a good idea. I should not be here. I killed their, their, their national hero. Um, I delivered the Israelites, but I, I totally messed up this country. I probably shouldn't be here. So he goes and he presents himself to the king and he pretends to be insane. He starts drooling in, in his and he starts getting weird and people start thinking he's crazy. And the king sends David packing, says, get out of here. You're crazy. You're weird. Bye. And so according to the opening sentence of 1 Samuel chapter 22, we find David leaving Gath and escaping to the cave of Adullam. And so this was a, a, a cave that he goes to and it's dark and it's isolated and he's alone with his men and he's, and he's in that place of, of isolation away from his home, away from his family, away from the people that he loves. And he's in a place where we, we, we all can probably relate to at some point in our lives or another, whether that's an emotional cave or a physical cave. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 22, we find David, Israel's hero, the one everybody loves, the king, the, the famous king or the future king, excuse me, the one who, the one God described as being after his own heart is hiding alone in a cave. And so most Bible scholars believe David, that David spent five to six months living in this dark, lonely cave, isolated, cut off from normal life, desperate for his God to move. And this is where I want to pick up today with David sitting defeated. His own drool dried up in his beard. One of the lowest parts of his life, one of the lowest points of his life to this time. And, I, and most of us have some sort of emotional cave experience where, where we've needed Jesus to come deliver us. But now some of us are faced with having to stay at home, cut off from people. The church can't physically meet. We're, we're in this place of uncertainty. We're in this place of separation or in isolation. The world is stuck in a state of tension, people are on edge. What do we do? How do we respond? How do we respond in faith rather than fear? This has nothing to do with the coronavirus or this has nothing to do with isolation or, or quarantine because guess what? There are more times in our life where we're gonna be in a place of crisis that we have to decide today how we will respond in faith over fear. And so David's experience in the cave, it teaches us about handling life in dark, lonely places, places of uncertainty. Why is my wife or my husband involved with this? Why is my kids not listening to me? Why is my job, why have I lost my job? I don't understand what's happening in life. Why have things gone this way? When those questions begin to reel, we're able to go to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and sit at his feet and be safe to be certain because he's good. And so today I want to look at David's response to isolation and fear. If you, want to, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, um, grab them and turn to Psalms 57. 
I'll give you a few seconds to turn to, ch to chapter 57 of Psalms. And I'm going to look at David. This psalm, as long as Psalm, um, as well as Psalms uh, 142 and Psalms 34, I believe, were all written while David was in this cave. And so I want you to hear David's heart while he is in the middle of the cave, the middle of his isolation, the middle of his uncertainty. Listen to David's heart as we read. So it's Psalms 57. And it says this, Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me. For I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to, to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. Another translation would be uh, to the God who, who avenges me. That's another translation. He reaches down from heaven and saves me. Challenging the one who tramples me, God sends his faithful love and truth. I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They prepared a net for my steps. I was despondent. They dug a, a pit ahead of me, they, but they fell into it. My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, heart and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, exalt, God be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. And as I read this and as I studied this this week, I notice there's sections of this. There's sections one, verses one through three is, 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 is declaring God's faithfulness. V verse four, he's, he reverts back to the thinking of, I'm, I'm devastated, I'm doomed, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. And then he goes back to verse five is, God, you be exalted despite my problems. And in verse six, he goes back to his situation and his circumstances. And then in verse seven through 11, you see him going, into a place where he's starting to talk to himself. Be confident, my heart. I will praise God. Wake up, my soul, with the harp and lyre. Let's sing songs to the Lord. I praise you. Your faithful love is high as the heavens. And he's able to say this in the middle of very uncomfortable circumstances. And so I'll notice this this week is that what, what stuck out to me is this, is that in David's life, in your life, in my life, Faith is produced when we begin to see our trials through the lens of who God is and what he has already accomplished. We're able to see our trials through the lens of who God is and what he has already accomplished. That's how faith has grown. Because when we follow Jesus, we don't fix our eyes on the trials before us the caves that are before us that we may be stuck in. We don't fix our eyes on the disease, on the cancer. We don't fix our eyes on the divorce, on the financial troubles. We don't fix our eyes on those things. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the hope of eternity. We fix our eyes on him because that's where our hope is because we know, like it says in scripture, that our light and our momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs every trial that we possibly face on this earth. Hear that. They don't compare to the hope that is ours right now that we possess in Christ Jesus for all eternity. Not just for the next two or three weeks of our months while we're stuck in a side, but forever. 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 4 says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can what? Can never perish 
never spoil and never fade. David knew this truth. David knew this to be true because he had experienced it. He had seen God move. And as we look at Psalms 57, I, I, look, I think we can be encouraged by two things. I, I pulled out two things that I want us to dive into really quick. The first thing is David rested. David rested in who God was and what God had done. So as you look at this scripture, how was David able to rest his heart and say, my heart is confident, my heart is confident. So I will sing, I would praise God, I would glorify his name. God, you are, you are high above all things. How was he able to say that? Because he's rested in who God was and what God has done. Some of us need to rest in the Lord today. Some of us know someone in their, in their families, in their homes, in their, their workplaces, on their friends list on Facebook that need to rest in the Lord today. Some of us, and I'll be really frank with you and really real with you for a second, transparent, some of us need to repent of our anxiety. Some of us need to repent of our anxiety and walk in freedom. Anxiety is a sin. We need to walk and trust in Jesus. We need to repent and move closer to him. Some of you need to see God for who he is. And maybe this time, just maybe this time of separation is a time for you to press back into him because I believe God is calling us back to himself through all this stuff, you know. And I think maybe he's calling some of us, some of us on this live stream that may be listening to put into action what you've claimed to believe for many years. David's hope wasn't found in himself. David's hope wasn't found in his bank account and how much riches he, that he had occurred. Uh, he, his, 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 his hope was not found in his accomplishments. Um, when he came into this cave, he didn't, he didn't turn back into his memory book and said, I killed Goliath, I've got this, this is easy. No, we see David clinging to three truths in the first part of Psalm 57 that show us he was able to rest in the faithfulness of who God was and what God had done. Let's read verses one through three again. David cries out, God be gracious to me. God be gracious to me for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. God sends his faithful love and his truth. And so there's three things in there that really stick out to me. In verse one, he says, God is my refuge. God is my hiding place. God is my, the place that I, that I rest in. And I, I look at this and I need you to hear is our protection and our comfort never come from a better set of circumstances. Our protection and our comfort or avoiding uh, never comes from avoiding trouble or discomfort or anything else that this world has to offer. Our protection comes from God and God alone. Psalms chapter 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in times of trouble. The second thing you see, verse two, he says, God who fulfills my purposes for me. So the next thing is God fulfills my purposes. David looks at this and it says, God, it's God who fulfills my purposes. It's God who says when I live and when I die, when I stand up and when I sit down, it's God who leads me. And I love that because David states two basic facts in, these, in this verse, in verse two. He says, God has a purpose for him. And God will fulfill those purposes for David. So just like David, God has a purpose for your life and God will fulfill those purposes for your life. 
Both of these truths are an example of a theological concept that, that we call providence. And, and you know, God, God both preserves order of all things and he guides them towards the intended purpose. Nothing is outside of God's control. I know you know that. But my question is, do you live like nothing is outside of God's control? Because I know David in this moment in the cave, he may have been thinking God had missed something. Our flesh thinks that sometimes. God may have been taken by surprise by my circumstances, by what's happened to me. God must have missed something. But let me tell you, God fulfills your purposes. God fulfills the things of your life. This disease, this this crisis has not taken God by surprise. He's not anxious about anything. He's not concerned about the end results. He He will receive glory from all of this, and he'll fulfill His purpose is for this, through this. And so then the last thing is God saves me. Verse three, he reaches down from heaven and saves me. David knew that his salvation came from only God. God, David knew that that was the only place that it came from. And what, what, what action, what reaction did he receive from that? I mean, he trusted God to deliver him from Goliath. He trusted God to deliver him from the mouth of lions and bears. He trusted God to deliver him in battle. And now he was reminding himself, soul, trust in God, heart, trust in God. He's faithful. Now he's reminding himself to trust God in this cave, this dark and lonely place. And we, as a church, also have to remember that we cannot save ourselves. It's God who initiated salvation. You didn't open your blind eyes or raise yourself from the dead or create your own faith. God did that. How was David able to say, God, you are my refuge and you fulfill my purposes and God, you save me because David had clung to these truths his whole life. God, David had clung to these truths. He had experienced the refuge. He had experienced the, 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 the being under the shadow of the wings of God, the fulfillment of the, of the salvation of the Lord. He had been in that moment and experienced it firsthand. And this is how you and I will make it through times of trial and crisis, resting our entire weight on God's sovereignty and providence. Guys, I don't know who needs to hear this, but God loves you. God is going to see you through your life, not just this. This is just going to be a blip on the radar screen of God's providence and sovereignty. My heart would be that you would understand that God loves you, Jesus loves you, and that you would take refuge in that. The second point, what I see in David in, in, in Psalms 57, is David responded. First, David rested. David rested in the truth of who God is and what God has done. The second thing is David responded in faith to who God is and what God had done. What did David do? When the enemy said, David, you're done. You're never going to get out of this cave. Saul is going to kill you. What did David do? Because you know that's what the enemy was saying. But when the enemy is spewing his lies, what did David do? Well, let's look at verse 7. Verse 7 through 11. David says, my heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, heart and liar. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord. 
among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. So what did he do? He responded in faith. He exercised his faith. He said, my heart is confident. I will sing praises. I will praise the Lord. Lord, be exalted above all the earth. Because so when the enemy tried to get David focused on his circumstances, on the cave, on Saul, on the spears flying for his face, David reminded his heart to fix his gaze on Jesus. Fixing your eyes on Jesus. And it strengthened his faith. The word faith, we hear about it all the time. You can look in Hebrews chapter 11 and read more about faith, but faith in my heart and my belief is that faith is an all is an all-field fear of God. The, the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. In the midst of your cave, in the midst of your fear, let this time be a time where you allow God to remove the blinders. Let this time be a time where you allow God to remove sin from your life. Let this time be a time where God removes the complacency in your faith. Or you may have said, hey, I'm a Christian, but in your life there's not been a lot of fruit. Let God come in and, and start bearing fruit in your life. Start surrendering to Him and start letting Him create a clear view of who He is in your life by living through you in your life. Guys, there's nothing greater in this world than seeing and understanding that an unimaginably, unimaginably powerful God chose to love an unimaginably sinful creature like me and like you. And all we have to do to receive that and to have that and to grasp that is to come before him and surrender and receive his love and mercy. Guys, David's faith allowed him to praise God in a cave. David's faith allowed him to rejoice in isolation and desperation, not when he was on the other side of it, in the middle of it. So this morning as we close, what about you? What are your blind spots that you're, that you're seeing? What, do you have blind spots in your faith that are being exposed through all of these things? Have you put your trust in your schedule, in your job, in your money, in your relationships? And are those things being exposed now during this time? And you're saying, well, what do I do now? Has inconvenience put your heart in a bad place? What do you mean I can't go here or go there? What do you mean I can't do this or do that? What do you mean I can't have, uh, uh, I can't hug people? What do you mean, what do you mean, what do you mean? Is inconvenience just totally destroying your worldview? My heart is this, is that you would be able to focus your eyes on Jesus. Where's your focus? What are you looking at? Are you focused on the cave? Or is your eyes fo focused on the opportunity to trust in the Lord? Are they focused on your circumstances? Are they focused on the opportunity that you have to serve Jesus in this time? Guys, trust that he knows where this is headed and walk forward in obedience. In a week, we'll celebrate Easter. This holiday has been around, has been the center of our faith for 2,000 years. There's never in the history of the world, been a more hopeless time, humanly speaking, than when the Son of God, the Savior of the world, was in the grave. At that point, I think all things seemed like it, it, was, it was over. 
The disciples were despairing. They were depressed. They were, they were hiding in fear in the upper room. And I think right now, the church is not meeting in buildings, but that's okay because Jesus isn't in the grave either. And we get to celebrate that next week. And as sure as Jesus walked out of that grave, he promises life to those of us living in the shadow of death, which we all are as we live and breathe on this earth. And when we live in light of the resurrection, what we celebrate next week is we live in the light of God defeating death, God nailing our our sins on the cross and going into that tomb, that cave, and then coming out victorious, carrying the weight of of my life and defeating it and going to heaven and saying one day I will be able to join, I'll be able to resurrect and have my resurrection body and stand before Jesus, stand before God and say, thank you, Lord for the things that you taught me. Thank you, Lord, for the things that you showed me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. We can proclaim the only hope that offers a firm foundation is Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. Our circumstances cannot touch that type of faith. Our hope is now more than ever that you'll cling to Jesus and and, and trust in him, that that you will see this as an opportunity to to open up your life to him and to be used to love and encourage others around you, rallying around the church to see the communities around us reach. For those of you that know that you've experienced the kind of hope that David showed us today in the Psalms and are beginning to realize that, you know, it's time for me to put my faith in action. My heart would be is that I want to see and I want us as a church to see us coming together in action, that we wouldn't be a, uh, we wouldn't be a audience. We would be an army raising up to, to go out into the community and sharing the love of Jesus, to carrying the gospel to the places that it's not. But for those of you this morning that, have, that know that you have never experienced that kind of hope that we saw David today and are beginning to realize that you may not know Jesus, I want to talk to you for a moment. Like maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've, you've said the words, I, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe you've even prayed a prayer that doesn't get you to heaven, that doesn't get you into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've raised your hand a thousand times at youth camp. Maybe you've never met Jesus. Maybe you don't even go to church because you don't like people in the church because they're hypocrites. But let me tell you what, every single Christian in the world is a hypocrite because we're all going, trying to find Jesus. We're just, we're, we're, we're just hungry beggars trying to find bread together. And today is a perfect time to put your trust in him. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. And as I read that scripture, the word believe here, it literally means to cling to, to rely on, to hold on to. It doesn't mean I believe the sky is blue. I believe, uh, I believe that I'm watching Facebook Live and I believe in the, this. Believe literally means to cling to, to hold on to. To have faith in Jesus means more than you believe that he is the son of God. The Bible says the, the demons even believe that. To put your faith in Christ for salvation means to rest the entire weight of your life on him. 
It means you've received the free gift of salvation through confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and then you'll be saved. It means repenting, turning away from my sin and turning to, turning to him. Repentance means I believe. I believe in Jesus. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I believe what he said is true. I believe that he lived and died and rose again, and I believe that that, that has an effect on my life, and I'm supposed to change the way that I live. I'm supposed to change the, my, the direction of my life towards him, and he'll take it from there. Repentance literally means to agree with God. God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm a sinner that needs grace. I'm a sinner that needs you. God, would you come in and would you restore my heart? Would you make me new? And would you set me on a new path for my life? And he'll come do that. But not only that, it means turning away from something, which is the life that you live before Jesus and turning towards Christ. If that's you this morning, we just wanna ask you, uh, we usually ask people in our church to raise their hands to do something very bold. But this morning, we want to walk with you. We don't want you to do this by yourself. Even if, when we're isolated in isolation and, and, and quarantines and different things like that, we still want to walk with you and connect you to a growing relationship with Jesus. And what that looks like, if that's you this morning, if you know that you need to make a decision to follow Jesus, I just want you to put down in the comments of, of, of Facebook Live and say, hey, today I trusted Jesus to be my Lord. Today, I trusted Jesus to be my Lord. And that's all you have to do. And you're going to see this, play, this, this page light up. You're going to see people um, getting fired up and celebrating with you. But also, we want to have the opportunity to reach out. I want to personally reach out to you and just talk to you and just tell you how proud I am of you and that what God has done in your life because he will change your life if you let him. And so today, I don't know where you're at, where you've been, Christian, um, non-believer, but if you find yourself in a cave, Jesus is the way out. Jesus is the one that has done it all and paid it all for us. And our heart as a church is that you would be encouraged in this time, that you would know that he is faithful, just as faithful in the cave as he is during normal times of our life. And our heart is that you would see Jesus as a treasure because that's what he is. And so today, I just want to pray for you as we go, and then, um, th then we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you. We love you. God, you are, you are greater than all of our circumstances. God, you are greater than any cave that we find ourselves in. God, I pray for every person um, within earshot of my voice, God, in every home, God, in every apartment, God, wherever people may be, I pray, Lord, that you would flood that home with your presence, God, that you would provide freedom, God, and victory over sin. God, that you would just provide a light in people's hearts, God, that may be dealing with emotional baggage or emotional caves, Lord, that you would just come in and save souls, God, for the person that had been listening to this morning that knows that they need you. I pray that they would just be bold and take that step of faith, God, and enter into a relationship with you. God, where they surrender and give their life to you, Jesus, this morning. In Jesus' name, God, I pray that you would break away the barriers, God, that you would break away the sin, God, that you would break away the things that are hindering them, God, from hearing your voice. God, I pray that you would use this time in that person's life of, of slowing down, God, of, of being quiet, God, of, of not being around as many people, God, during this time. God, I pray that you would speak louder than ever before in those people's lives. God, we pray for, we pray that you would save people, God. We know that you're, we know that you're still in the business of, of redeeming hearts, God. We pray that you would do that now. We pray that you would do that this week. God, use us as a church. God, use us as followers of you. God, we just want to love you. We just want to serve you, God. We're thankful for all that you've done. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.
Guys, we're thankful that you tuned in with us today. Um, don't forget to go um, download the Holy Week reading plan that you can start. You can start that today with your kids. There's a coloring page and there's a, some videos that we're going to share on our Connection Kids page on Facebook. Um, but other than that, we're going to see you next week um, on Easter. So have a great week. <laughs>